It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Common Good. And that announcement is a liar. Brian Fromm is not here. No, he's not. We don't know where he is, but that voice that you just heard is my good buddy, the Reverend Michael J. Fueling. Is your middle name? Not at all. (laughs) My middle name is Dennis. And fun fact, Ian... I have three older brothers, and we all have the same middle name. No. What is the story there? Why? Patrick Dennis, Daniel Dennis, David Dennis. Who is this Dennis Dennis. person? (laughs) That's a great question. We've been wondering that. (laughs) No. (laughs) There's not like a family legacy, somebody. Uh, No. Like, my (laughs) dad. You're killing me, man. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. The, uh, my my dad's name is Dennis Melvin Fueling, and for some reason, so they, they had my first, my first, they had my older brother. Yeah, right. And his name is Patrick. They're like, yeah, you know, Dennis, that's what we do. It's the oldest son. And then they got to the second one, and they couldn't come up with anything, and so it was, it was Dennis. And then, lo and behold, by the time they got to number four. No kidding. Michael Dennis Fueling. Let's just talk about that for the rest of the hour. I that feel like we have good. a lot of unpacking to do If here. I have another son, his middle name will be Michael. And smart so, man, yep, yep, yep. you have my one girls. Son. I do. All my girls are their middle name is Michael. And so you no, pulled, a, you pulled a George Foreman, right? <laughs> Wasn't he gave all of their names? All of the boys were George, and his daughter was Georgette. Oh, that that's was so uh, good. It, is it? Is I feel it? like I should go rename my daughter's middle names. Oh, I am not affirming that in any way, shape, or form. Before we go any further, welcome to the Common Good. We're so glad you're here with us. It's our joy. You to can have find you. us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show or 1160hope.com. But that voice, Michael Fueling, he is the pastor of Village Church of Bartlett. Where can they find out? more information about vcob by the way vcob.org that's the best place i know it blows your mind it does blow my mind it does that's the most simple place to find out everything you could ever ever want that's <laughs> i'm looking at the site right now actually it looks killer i don't think it looked this good five years ago it did not look it <laughs> did not look that good five years <laughs> maybe ago. even three years ago uh we we update our website often frequently. i mean i appreciate the high value because it re- it's honestly not to, you know, Thank keep you. stroking your ego. It looks fantastic. Well, I'm sure I'm, other people are making those decisions, but yeah, I have nothing to do with that. So <laughs> I'm super opinionated about it, but uh, oh, I'm shocked. I will say uh, we had a comm manager three years ago, Bethany Thomas. She built uh-huh. all the foundations for it. Uh, another comm manager came on, Haley Versalis. Uh-huh. Incredible, incredible young woman. She built uh, this version of it. And then um, we have a, a guy at our church. He is a pilot. And in his spare time, he does all of our website stuff. He no spends way. so many hours. It is ridiculous. And there's a whole other site that you can't see, which is for our church called The Hub, uh, vchub.org. And uh, that's where you get like everything you need for our, our body at our church. No kidding. Yeah. So it's a, uh, yeah, we just got amazing people. So Unbelievable. I, I want to give some context because, uh, and I'll just say this in there probably a couple of times. You're, you're one of my all time favorite people Thank just you, in general. I think it'll become very clear to you all why I feel that way, but just some context. So. Uh, Michael and I were both pastors in a town called Bartlett, a village called Bartlett. A village, thank you. And uh, <laughs> the long story told somewhat quickly, we were both youth pastors yep. that became lead pastors about a year apart from each other. Yeah, pretty so You close. were a year ahead of me, right? Were you ahead of me? No, I think you were ahead of me because I, cause I oh, saw- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I you were so through much, it and yes. you went through it worse. <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. That's one way to put it. That's yeah. one way to put it. Like I would have a problem and then 
and then I'd get through it, and then you'd have the same problem times seventeen. And See, then, that's right. And I and not to be cheeky, like your it's actually a true statement. It is, and your uh, insight and wisdom into my life being about a year ahead of where I was at was so invaluable. I think mm. back to that season a lot because it was kind of terrifying. And mm. I, I would love for you just however much you can share. Yeah. What was it like, like being a youth pastor at one church and then becoming the lead pastor of that same church? There's, I, I imagine some pretty obvious hurdles. I, I certainly face some of them and some benefits too, but like, what was that transition? Like how old were you? What was going on? It, so if you go back to 2008, we had the Great Recession, and I think right. one of the dynamics that people forget about that season in church world is the palpable animosity between boomers and millennials. Yeah, And right. that was before, I think, I, I'm the oldest plausible millennial maybe that you could be, but at that time, I was considered a millennial. Like right. I was in right. the pocket. That's changed a little bit since then. But it is. I yeah. think now I'm a exennial, and I'm 39, yeah. so I don't okay. know what that even means. <laughs> no um, one knows. Nobody knows. So, But at that time, there was such palpable tension between mm. the two generations, and, and to put it like kind of kindly, uh, boomers hated millennials and millennials mm. didn't have that much of a appreciation for boomers either. Interesting. So I was 28 at the time in a primarily boomer church that had just lost its pastor had uh, probably gotten down to about 150, 160 people on a good Sunday. And, uh, I was the young guy and it, it was historically not a, not a place. I think that, that probably appreciated millennials mm. because of the primary demographic that was there. Not in a bad way. It wasn't like some malicious whatever, but I think you also, you know, remember at that time there were a whole bunch of millennials that couldn't actually get promoted. They couldn't get in the pulpit. They couldn't get right. Uh, they couldn't do lead the way they wanted to because we were told regularly, well, when you're old enough, you can. That's right. So a whole generation of us said, well, forget you. We're going to just plant our own churches, <laughs> which happened a lot, <laughs> which happened a lot. And so, and so what you find is in that season, a whole bunch of millennials planted churches. And uh, it came out of that real generational tension between the boomers. Now, I think a lot of that has begun to heal. And uh, it's been in general or at your church, at our church, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I know that there are still tensions like in pop culture, you know, you make fun of millennials, whatever, right. but uh, <laughs> they're bigger and they're stronger. And every every single year that passes, uh, and I hate to be crude about it, but more boomers die and the millennials are huge and yeah, they're right. getting more and more power. And I think there's been a, a semi-cultural truce. It's not perfect and never will be perfect. I mean, right. Culture and generational tensions. That's real. right. That's been uh, tale as old as time. I'm but sure. like a, a village, we, we coexist wonderfully together awesome. and uh, we got to make space. And I think we're doing a really good job given the generational tensions of making space for Gen Z to come up right. and have real ownership and just having that be a, just central to who we are. I mean, if See, you can't be in a generational church, like, you know, totally. And you value that since the get go. That's what yeah. I really appreciate about Cause for you, you entered into the tension rather than just dismissing one camp or the other. And I think that's honestly what makes you such a great leader. Well, I was pretty edgy. If you ask everybody back then, really? I was kind of ticked off. I was kind of upset. Interesting. Like, yeah. Um, I didn't, uh, I had a group of older men uh, who really tempered me hmm. and I brought them around me because I needed protection. I needed insight. I needed wisdom. And uh, they were just really an incredible group of five men who loved me faithfully, but protected me from myself. Right. They allowed me to get some of that angst out privately. Hmm. And uh, so that it didn't come out in the pulpit and whatnot, but it still did, you know, but you and me were both so young. Yeah. I, mean, right. you I was 27. Early, yeah. You I, remember our early sermons, how bad they were? Oh, I, w- I actually went back and listened to some of them in preparation for this interview. <gasps> no, mine? Or, no, mine. Okay, I was going to say, I think <laughs> I we couldn't find yours. Most all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't find yours, but I was trying to get myself into the headspace of when you and I, when our friendship 
really began. Yeah. And the word that comes to mind is horrific. Like mm. the fact that our church stomached right. years of some of those sermons Correct. is is honestly miraculous to say the least. It takes years to find your voice. No truly. kidding. No uh, kidding. Because, you know, in your 20s, you're trying to prove yourself. And right. You're trying to like, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's never going to go well in the pulpit. And in your 30s, you're like, I got this. And and I'd say it's the last five years where I've really sort of just become myself. Really? I'm not, I don't have this concern as much as I used to of what people are going to think. And I, I think I've grown in my obsession with, honoring and glorifying the gifts God's given me yes. and loving and serving these people with the word. And that it takes a long time to get to that place. Yep. I mean, some guys get there quickly, but I'm apparently <laughs> no, I'm right there. I think Keller said, uh, I, I read this article from him when I was like 22 or 23. And he said, uh, young preachers, you're just going to have to come to terms with the fact that your mm. first thousand sermons aren't going to be any good. Preach. I was like, thousand? Thousand. I'll be 90 by then. Like, I just didn't. Yep. And now that I'm, I think, probably getting close to a thousand, I think he was so spot on. Yep. I think I'm just now, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, I'd love to pick your brain about that coming up next a little bit. Like, how? Sure. what is it like finding your voice as a young preacher? Because uh, you've been at your place now for a while. 17 years. And so it's a, it's a community of people watching you find your voice, not developing it one place. They watch me go through ministry puberty. Right. I mean, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> that's the teaser for next segment. Let's go. talk about ministry puberty coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hashtag Andy Graham Step. All right, tell me that doesn't bring you back. To where? To adolescence or youth group or you're holding hands with somebody, I'm assuming, right? You're around a campfire at summer camp. It brings me back to Lindsay's house, the youth group. I don't want to go there. I'm going to be is, honest. No, it was, a whole bunch of, it was a party. Yeah, sure. And, no, 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 no. <laughs> stop it. It was, uh, uh, gotcha. it was a party and all the youth group kids were listening to DC Talk. And yes. I listened to Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana. And I had like a flannel shirt on. And I forgot that you were a big Smashing yes, Pumpkins guy. as everyone should be. And so I remember like okay. integrating into this youth group. And I was like, who's this DC... DC talk people. And, who's, um, who's this DC talk people? Right. I didn't quite understand it. <laughs> is it a collective? Right? Is, it a, is what, it a collective? What do yeah, I look at that? <laughs> so that's, that's where I actually got introduced to, to DC talk. Well, the reason we're playing them is they just announced that they're, uh, they're getting back together. They're planning a tour and everything, which they that's haven't insane. played together. I think in like two decades, that's insane, which is pretty bonkers. Um, these guys can sing. Is, still, right? you think so? Unbelievable. I don't think I haven't heard anything from them. I guess Toby Mac, yeah, they're all doing stuff. There's Toby Mac, there's Toby Mac, and then there's what's his name that was singing in the band that always has new lead singers, Newsboys. Yeah, Kevin Max Kevin and Max. Michael Tate. And I, my, Pete Furler, right? That's, uh, see, I can't, I think John Chris calls Newsboys the Revolving Doors band, right? Because it's just this constant. So on iTunes, they have a, they have a new album out, and all of their lead singers <laughs> are on the album. You've never seen more. Competition, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna more vibrato. Anyways, yeah, but it's, right. So I could not resist but listen to it. I'm like, literally, they're Obviously, all there. There's the Australian to. guy. There's the DC Talk guy. Right. Then there's the original guy. Who, I don't know blew, any of their names. Well, but. the original guy like blew out his vocal cords. Like he <gasps> no. sings. Yeah, like I think he's he never like learned to sing correctly and did a lot of damage. That will do it to his vocal cords. That Again, this it. is all hearsay. I've done zero research on everything we're talking about right now. So but you're on the radio. That's well, if it's on the radio, yeah. it must be true. All right, so I, this is what I want to ask you. Yeah. Because we were talking previously, we were both uh, youth pastors that became lead pastors in our churches. You were 28, I was 27. Uh, you had much more an idea what you were doing, I think, than I did. That's a lie. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a lie. 
Maybe you just come across more competent Always in general. overstate your confidence. That, that's, that's what you taught me. I taught you that? Yeah. Well, I am You're failing. Like, I remember, I'll, I'll never forget uh, oh, 2011, no. and you said, Michael, always act like you know what you're talking about, even when you don't. And There's I was like, no way that's an Ian Simpkins original. No, you never said that. No, okay, great. Just, <laughs> just, you're good. Oh, that made yeah, my yeah. heart hurt. Can I, can I tell you a fun little fact about uh, you and me? Oh, boy, sure. No, this is good. It'll, is it? It is. Okay. Where are we both from? Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. And then what city did we live in when we moved out here? Elgin. And then where was the church that we were working at? Bartlett. And then what was our position? Youth pastor. And then did we both go through the same church conflict? Conflict is a good way to put it. Yeah. Did we both become interim lead pastors? We did. Yes. And then they were like, we want the kids. And so then we (laughs) We became the kids. So you and I, we were children compared to the people making the decisions. We were just little kids, you know? Totally. And, uh, and then we both became lead pastors in the same city. Like, think about that. And then we both loved to play. Music, music that's right, right that's right you're again you're a much better musician than i am yeah. just i you really are you i i mean i'm not just being kind like i kind of play drums you actually play guitar i haven't played enough lately like here's a true story okay um gosh it was like eight years ago the lord just impressed on my heart that i'm not allowed to play in church anymore no kidding i have not played as lead since, pastor you're like let's just not do it it was it was like uh there have been six or seven things that the lord has just told me I, again i don't have audible voices but you know you know when you know the lord's voice and it's right. like this deep conviction right there's been a there's been six or seven of them that the lord has just not given me permission to do wow and one of them is is play guitar in church and it drives some people nuts because they're like we need a guitarist and and i and i very quickly realized why because every time i played i was taking away the opportunity for someone else to grow in their gifts and right. it's amazing we've never lacked a lead guitarist of the church that's so wise man and as long as i've been an option uh, they would have used me right exactly but uh, i'll never remember it was uh, sometime in december of i think it was 2011 and i preached and played guitar mm. and i had never been so uncomfortable and i knew that i shouldn't have done it because i had this this sense that the that this was the direction the Lord was asking really? me to go with this. But you got to understand, I started playing guitar in seventh grade. It is right. my obsession. Right. I, I, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on, on playing guitar and amps and buying more guitars. And, right, and so right. like this was my dream. Yes. And so the fact that the Lord just was like, you know, man, you're going to preach. Wow. That's your will. That's not my will. That's your ambition. That's not my ambition. And uh, yeah, so that was, that's, that's just one of those Crazy little things. So I didn't know that. Can I still play like crazy? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Can the kids still shred? Can the kids still shred? No, I wasn't that good. Like I, I'm not going to be your like shredder. Right. Uh, that's not my jam. Right. Like, uh, so um, yeah. Again, we're not talking about teenage mutant into turtle shredder. We're talking no, about no, talking about you know metal like shredder. ACDC shredder. Metal right. Shredder, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so, but you like. I'm curious because we were talking previously about you kind of honing your skill as a communicator, as a preacher. Yeah, back to back to what you're asking. But do you think that that's part of the reason you've been able to grow is by saying no to some of these other things and really honing in on this this craft of sermon giving? Yeah, there there is a. I think you and I share a really similar ambition of not looking stupid. <laughs> Doesn't everybody share that ambition? No. Really? <laughs> Pretty sure they don't. That kind of blows my mind, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so there are. I'll be honest. Like when you hear yourself and you hear the worst parts of your heart coming out, or yes. when you hear overcompensation. And so, I, I actually made a rule as soon as I started getting my hands on audio recordings that I would never, ever, ever go behind a microphone and not listen to what I subjected other people to. So oh, wow. to date, I think I've only missed maybe ten or twenty of the messages that I've given. Man, same here. Yep. Yep. And I, I, that might have been something you gave me or I gave you. I actually don't know, but I know that that is a really shared value as you say that now, but that makes me think, did, 
did you start that and I stole it or vice versa? It's Maybe very possible. on one of our long walks in the city of Bartlett. We did used to walk a lot, we, didn't we? We walked I mean, we, we, we walked adorable. hundreds of miles. We were adorable, man. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Okay, but what do you say? I that, saw you and me walking around. You remember that you wanted to be look friends with guys. us and then <laughs> They were probably yelling at each other, though. Like, it, no, they would get heated sometimes, wouldn't they? No, not I, like real aggressive. <laughs> I don't know. But the problem here's the problem: when I get when I get like opinionated, you're like, "Whoa, man!" Like, slow down. I'm like, "I'm just talking." <laughs> what is this voice you're giving me? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm my just, wife like, says, <laughs> my wife says whenever I impersonate her in, in in my sermons that I I usher in my mom's voice, and she's like, "I am not Mary." <laughs> Like, I know, I don't know why. It's just, that's what happens. You have a very insightful wife. She's super smart. I feel like you just gave me the Cheech and Chong voice. That's the voice you gave me. Like, whoa, man. Hey, man. Really harsh and my mellow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what are you doing in Bartlett, man? It's 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. But back to your question. Um, <laughs> yes. No, but there, there's a, there was a, a combination of not wanting to look stupid, which is really the immaturity of being younger. That's right. Also a company with a calling. Yep. I think you and me probably had a, a like a just constant sense of why do people listen to us? Oh, I still have that. <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and I'm like, wow, they, they, they actually keep coming to church. Right. That's crazy. And so this, this sense of calling, I knew it was there in my head, but I mm. started to realize that I was accountable to steward the gifts that I have. I steward my money. Yep. I steward my family. I steward my body ish working on that one. Um, <laughs> So it's radio. They can't see. Yeah. So I started listening to, to everything and getting as much, just learn as much as I can, getting mm. as much feedback as I could. Mm. Uh, at the same time, I'm overcoming my heart issues. So when we do preaching evaluations, in fact, today I was with one of our pastors and we were talking about the fact that every time we preach, we just can't escape our own hearts. Right. Uh, oh, every time we're, we're talking, it's like if I have overcompensation or pride or stupidity or immaturity, uh, there's always a barrier and I have all this potential in my brain, but my heart is always in the way. Right. And so I would say 70%, I'm just throwing out random statistical numbers. <laughs> 70% though of my, my growth has been working on my own heart Yes. and my motivations and understanding who I am, not overcompensating, uh, killing sin when I see it. Um, so yeah, that's uh, the rest of it has been trying to learn skills. Um, every year I set, two or three words aside of things I want to accomplish in my communication. So yeah. I'm starting to move to do every six months. I love that. And uh, I figure by the time I'm 50, I'll kind of be maybe somewhere closer to where I feel like I'm stewarding it to the point where I'm yeah, happy with it. I think that picture of stewarding it is spot on though. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what young preachers often miss is they, they feel like they deserve to be there or yeah, I don't somebody anything. appointed us there. So like, therefore we have things to say. And I think yeah. stewarding it, whether you're 25 or 85 is like such a healthy posture because it does, it keeps you humble, but it also keeps you hungry to improve, yep. which is where I think you and I listening to our sermons, I've, I've certainly heard people say, well, that's obsessive. And I'm like, oh, maybe, but also I, I want to get better the, and weed out these yep. things that aren't aren't glorifying at all, which is interesting yeah. because you, and I'm going to talk about this next, is you have a podcast, mm -hmm. and so you have this preaching context, but now you have this like pretty successful podcast platform, which is a very different kind of communicating, and I'm wondering how much of that is like relearning to ride a bike again, Yes, and how some of those topics have kind of Pre spun into we'll other things. Preaching puberty. Preaching puberty. I love it. <laughs> count, count me in. Come back next time, or we're going to talk about <laughs> preaching puberty. That's coming up next with Enneagram 7, Michael Fueling of Village Church of Bartlett. Learn more at vcob.org, and stick around. We got a lot more coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hashtag wing eight.
Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is normally here, but he's off gallivanting. I am replacing him. You are. <laughs> For one hour. That voice that you heard is none other than the right reverend Michael Fueling of Village Church Bartlett. I would love for you to learn more at vcob.org. That's vcob.org for Village Church of Bartlett. Bartlett. Dot org, the same town that I was also a pastor That's for. Right, s- how long was I? Seven years? I was there for ten years total. Yep. Three years as a youth pastor and then seven as lead, I think. What? How long have you been lead pastor now? 2010 officially, eight, nine interim. So it's like this is year year nine or ten. See, and I didn't do the interim thing. That's, that oh, is the one that. difference. Okay. We actually had an interim pastor for a year and a half. Yep. And then they, uh, they called me up. Actually, t- I told them no initially, I think. They said, would you... Uh, would you be interested? And I was like, nah, no, yeah, thanks. No. Yeah. And they're like, would you pray about it? And I was like, no, oh, shoot. No. <laughs> also, I'd yeah. like to be your non-praying youth yeah. pastor, if that's okay. The All will right. of God? No. <laughs> no. All right. So we apparently share a lot of things in common. We're both from Detroit, both musicians, both lived in Helgen, both were youth pastors in Bartlett, became mm-hmm. lead pastors, but are also very, very different, different people, I think, theologically, politically, probably more similar than... People might guess, but yeah. one of the things that I just discovered we share in common. You voted for Donald Trump. Okay. Was like, I'm All kidding. right, everybody. I'm All right. Relax. Whap, whap, whap. <laughs> I thought we had that sound effect. Edit uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely staying in. Yeah. Anywho. Okay. <laughs> so we both, uh, I think we both really care about the craft mm. of preaching yep. and the responsibility of, of stewarding it well yeah. and uh, all the things you were saying about paying attention to our heart. Like I remember going to a preaching conference. It was an all day conference and it was all these people with give, you know different tips and tricks. And then it ended with Charles Stanley actually. Hmm. And uh, something was weird with his mic or something. And I remember like it was like it was yesterday. He like looked at the camera and he like started to tear up and he just said, honestly, a man preaches as well as he prays. Wow. And like walked off camera and it was so surprising and wow. so meaningful and i like never i have this notebook full of like all these acronyms and acrostic you know acrostics and i think that was really uh significant for me and i think so you have this preaching uh gift and now you've uh been recording a podcast for how long i think four years no yeah, kidding four years and it's mostly like a q a format right it's literally called the q a podcast the village church q a podcast and, and it's all stuff from people from within your church or is it are you taking outside questions or yeah initially when we Put it together. <laughs> Pardon my cough. <laughs> my cough button <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> um, so initially, though, we we got so many questions, and we did a Q and A on some LGBTQ issues okay. all the way back in 2015. Got it. And the format was so helpful for hmm. me to get information out. I also hate writing. I love talking. And so I'm a verbal processor. Yeah, same. <laughs> I actually don't need a lot of prep to verbally process. So what we did is we said, you know, let's let's try a Q&A podcast. Well, there's this guy in our church who has a professional studio. He's unbelievable. And uh, he he just loves uh, the Word of God. He loves the Ville Church. He loves Jesus. And he gave it to us for free. No and way. So we would go in and we started off. We would do five episodes Monday through Friday every single day. Wow. And we just opened it up to the church and said, ask your questions, whatever, no whatever. And so a lot of the questions would come off of sermons that we did. And we are now seven, just under 700 episodes in. Wow. And it after about a hundred episodes, we started to notice that we were getting listeners in different countries. And, and so it was actually very interesting. We had no, in, no ambition mm. to be honest. Um, mm. no, in, no intention. Uh, one of the things I just don't, I don't know. I just, I'm not great at self promotion. 
so it's just not my I probably should be better at that apparently people no I think that's a great thing to not be good at (laughs) yeah and then the thing in the the your producer said so what's your Twitter and I'm like I don't don't understand what is Twitter yeah like what's your Facebook I'm like I don't go to that only my wife go to my Zanga yeah what is is that a thing (laughs) I don't know live journal I don't (laughs) know it's pretty amazing so uh yeah so it it has just steadily grown Mm. and there's been a a I would just say an agreement unspoken that God has had with me. He has never, ever, ever given me a platform. Boom. All at once from the beginning of ministry. It Mm. has always been, will you be faithful with a little, Mm. if you will, I'll give you a little bit more, right? Yes. A little bit more. Yes. A little bit more. And whether that is souls or the word of God or whatever, you know, so it's been very interesting to watch how Basically, the ability or the, the the depth of which I lead right. has always just corresponded to whether or not it's been faithful. So it's been I a very that. interesting thing. So the podcast has never just had this big explosive, you know, but slowly, steadily. And then uh, yeah, the last uh, couple months, it's been 10, 12,000 downloads a month, which is for no, us is pretty. That's huge. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. And actually, ironically, we got more downloads the less we released. So go figure that one. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. You can probably tell me that. that I wish I could. Man. I'm, so, I'm curious if you've done, you said, what, 700 episodes or, or near that? Are there any that stand out to you as I never in a million years thought somebody would ask this question or... Um, this one really caught me off guard or I, you were surprised by your answer, you know, as you verbally process, like, uh, do you ever have episodes where like where you end up? You're like, Oh, that even surprised me a little bit. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how I got there. Like, do, do you have episodes that stand out in that regard? So many. Do you really? Yes. Uh, <laughs> he's dying. Ladies and gentlemen, call ladies and gentlemen, call nine one one. When it happens in, in preaching, that's no. the, it's the most it's happened twice uh, where you just can't ever? get it out ever when you just can't get it out. It's it's just stuck in your throat. Have you ever, have you ever choked on communion, though? That that happened to me, I think, my first year at the Yellow Box. That's oh, embarrassing. Like underscore moment. The <laughs> band's coming out. And <laughs> I, yeah, it was the juice, ironically. And I just couldn't. Yeah, it was can't it's, relate. It's floating around in meme form somewhere. It's yeah, bad. I can't relate. Can't relate <laughs> Never had that happen. That's the body of Christ. Yeah. I'm so What's wrong with you. Gosh, a lot of things. A lot of things wrong with me. Yeah, so the the podcast is primarily done with one of our pastors, but we have a lot of guests on there. You've been on there a handful I of times. I have been and, on there, yep. And awesome. the conversations take such weird turns, and we do, so we have some people who do some prep work for us, so they'll get the questions and organize them, and, and, and it's really just to give us kind of an outline, maybe direction to go, some thoughts. And uh, <clears throat> for me, it has helped me learn to communicate yeah. so much more clearly. You is think it's correct? actually translated into the pulpit? Yes, I've had two specific things that have transformed my preaching. You're going to laugh at the second one. The first one has been just sitting behind a microphone and getting comfortable and hearing this. Yeah, reps over and over and over again. The other one was when I stopped drinking caffeine on Sunday morning. No kidding. This happened at at the beginning of 2019. I'm not kidding. I I was just having this thought earlier this week, by the way. Yeah, I love caffeine. I love coffee. I love tea. I love feeling good. So... (laughs) So, classic seven. Classic seven. <laughs> so what happened is I I stopped drinking caffeine for two weeks because I had some stomach issues. Okay. The clarity in my sermons went through the roof. My sermon time went down what? by 10 minutes a sermon. No way. And I, I have never been more focused or disciplined in my sermon. It's been crazy. It's actually our body has noticed me preaching shorter sermons, but I haven't been 
you know, skipping anything major. <laughs> right, right. My pace is slowing down. The wow. depth, it's been very, actually, it is the biggest surprise to me. And what it showed me is, is it doesn't matter how, how far you've come compared to when you started. Yeah. Like, like the Lord just has a long way to go to teach me how to be a better steward. It, yeah. It's for any gift. It doesn't matter if you right. are better than the person next to you. We have a responsibility to steward a gift as long as we have the gift. And I remember uh, Ch- Chuck Swindoll was at a Moody fundraiser or something or another. And, and he said that uh, most people think of him as if he's always been in the public eye. Mm. And he said the vast majority of his public ministry didn't start till his late forties. Really? And he said the Lord took the rest of this, of his twenties uh, and thirties and forties, just kind of developing the gift. Wow. And so you have this idea when you see uh, Chuck Swindoll that he's always been in the spotlight and he's been, he's pastored larger churches, but right. the Lord had a lot of work to do in him. But to, before he kind of became the Chuck Swindoll that we all, know and love. Oh man, I love that. All right. So one of the things that you also do really well besides I think preaching and leading is that you are exceptional at, I appreciate your encouragement. I just, I hope that you, I hope that you believe that it's genuine though. I really truly believe these things. And I think another thing that makes me honestly a little frustrated by how good you are at this is engaging the community that you exist in. Mm. I just think you have an incredible gift for that. And there's a particular area that's happening this weekend that I think sort of highlights just how good you and your church are at this. So I want to talk about that a little bit coming up next. Awesome. Uh, here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hashtag married to Enneagram One. Welcome to The Common Good. I am Michael Fueling, and I'm here in the studio with my friend and yours, Ian Simpkins. <laughs> Ian, I want to welcome you to the show. That was fantastic. You should really consider speaking for a living. I, uh, you have a real gift. I need. I don't need to keep. I don't even keep inflating your ego, though, do I? It's probably enough. Can I tell you a funny story oh, about no. you? About me? <laughs> it's, it's so good. Should I give permission to this? All right, go for it. No, you're good. So there's this uh, common experience that I have when when I meet people who know you. Oh no! And uh, people do. It's actually very interesting because people are like, oh, I know Ian. Ian and I are friends. Like it's a it's a thing, and I know you. Ian is like one of the most genuinely humble guys. So oh, like thanks. Ian's not sitting here being like, no, yeah, keep going. So, <laughs> but it's like this funny thing, and I'm like, no, like I di- I have known him since he's been out here. Right. Like I I do know you. Right. We've spent hundreds of hours talking and walking and meeting weekly for year after year That's after right. year and going through some of the most formative moments of our pastoral life together. Yep. And uh, and so there. They'll always say like, oh man, everybody just loves Ian. And I'm like, can I tell you a story about this? Oh no. I tell the story all the time about you. <laughs> Let me go ahead and dismantle yeah. your picture of you. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're co-speaking at a chapel and this chapel was, I think it is one of the hardest group of students to speak to. Mm. And you and I were both there and I, and I kind of giving you a little prep, like just so you know, they're kind of, they're kind of challenging. So I, I get up and I do the first, it was a two week thing. Remember that? Like That's I right. came one week and the next yep. week, but we were there, both of them and and so I get up and, and I'm like, hey, good morning, crickets. <laughs> Nothing. They're just cold stone rejecting Staring me. Staring you down. Nothing. <laughs> I gave like the greatest chapel message anyone's ever heard. And it just, was actually pretty fantastic. Actually, I, was, I don't even remember it. Um, I do. So, <clears throat> I do. It was great. So I, I remember I was like, I remember thinking like, this was, this was like, if I was in high school, this is gold. And nothing. Crickets. <laughs> the next week, same kids. <laughs> you get up. You just walk up. No one knows you, by the way. I think you knew one kid and all the 200 whatever kids in this this room. You get up and you're like, hey, everybody, I'm Ian. And they're like, hey, Ian. This collective <laughs> disarmament. I was like, what is going on? And you're like, hey, everybody, why don't you just 
stand up and rub the shoulders of the person next to you. Like, whatever you say, throw your arms in the air. Sure. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I can't even get these kids to say hi. <laughs> hey. Hey, Pastor Michael, nothing. Uh, <laughs> this is the story of like, you just walk in and like every wedding, this, this is insane to me. Every wedding, there's a picture of Ian getting a selfie of all the people, right? If I were to get, go to a wedding and say, hey, everybody, I know it's the most important day of your life. So let's make it about me and I'm going to take a selfie of everybody. <laughs> they would be like, no, turn around. It's my wedding. But you, they're like, Ian is so, we love Ian. <laughs> In you, my defense, it's not a selfie. I'm not in the photo. No, I, I take it of them, of the couple. Touche. And I ask them beforehand. Touché. It was more of a joke. <laughs> I get it. To be honest. That's but <laughs> you, you're, you have to be careful, though, because with your gift comes the potential, the potential to control the masses. Mm. Mm. Oh, boy. Be careful. Oh, boy. This is, says this jump, is, this and people is, uh, are like, I don't know who he is, but jump. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, now you know a little story about your friend of mine. Ian Simpkins. It amazes me that you remember that though, because I don't remember it that way at all. Actually, I remember like listening to your to your chapel session, thinking I have no business following this person. Like That's you, ridiculous. I, I'm being completely honest. I think that you're easily 15 times smarter, wiser, more like gathered, more collected, more authoritative. I'm like watching you like lead this group of students. And I'm like, I don't. I just give it to him next week. I don't even want to. Here's the deal. Let's hypothetically say any of that was true. (laughs) They don't care. It's called my friends charisma. No, for real though, you can get the smartest people in the world in a room together. The most gregarious, the most whatever. But I I wish there was a, uh, a formula for charisma because it has no relevance oftentimes to intelligence, Mm. but there are some people they can get in front of a group and they have the ability to move groups of people to disarm them. Interesting. Like I've often wondered if there is a spiritual, you know, dynamic to charisma. <clears throat> I don't totally know yet, and uh, I'd love to read or do studies on it. But I say, would you come back and talk about that with me sometime? Oh, because I think that would be a really interesting. Because I have no, I, I have no conclusions there either. Yeah. And why I would step back and like watch you deliver a message that you felt so crappy about so I'm like, all oh, the my. students let's be honest I don't, but i think they were just who knows that's... they were so enamored <laughs> they were speechless they were dumbfounded with awe yeah they're is, like that's he's what so I read. bald and slightly overweight <laughs> <He's so bald. laughs> we uh, have no else no to no, say. no 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 man i think i think you have a tremendous gift i okay before our time runs yes, i want to make sure that we talk about this with the 14 seconds we have yep. left or whatever so two minutes and p- part seconds. of what i yeah, but who's counting? who's counting part of what i mentioned earlier is that not only do i think you're a, a great communicator a great leader i'm gonna about, come on just to get encouraged but seriously though i think that <laughs> I, the way that i see you like love mm-hmm. your wife and your kids i think you have a really great sense of priorities and i'm not saying you're perfect i know that you're not but but even just anecdotally these hours of walking that we've done like hearing the stuff that choked you up hearing the stuff Mm -hmm. you said i have to make decisions to protect this thing Mm -hmm. i have to start saying no to some of these like just i knew that it wasn't just strategy for you as oh my i realize i'm i'm screwing up right now in this Mm -hmm. help me make this right and uh, i think people are really drawn to that and one of the things that you do exceptionally well is engage the community around you. So so this weekend you actually have something happening with the BCCI. Why don't you just tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, the Bartlett Community Care Initiative. So uh, we love, as every church does, you love your police department, your fire department. These, these men and women just work their rears off, and it's a really hard job. And so w- one of the realities of their responsibility is they 
encounter <clears throat> addiction, homelessness, pregnant right. women needs regularly. Um, and so they don't have the resources to actually deal with them. So at least in some communities, the police officers are funding this out of their pocket. And at the Village Church, we have extensive counseling networks and resources. Yeah. We have um, just unbelievable amounts of resources. We're not a huge church, but we're resourced well, mm. especially in the areas of mental health, uh, especially in the area of love and compassion and favor towards our police and fire department. I love that. So we've had great partnerships with them. So what the Barlett Community Care Initiative is, is an opportunity uh, to give our police department funds and resources used at their discretion to serve our community. Um, it's not just funds, but it's also networks and resources for mental health and different things. And, and basically any way that we can come alongside of them, resource them to serve those who are needed in our community. Awesome. Uh, we're, we're all in. And so this, this Sunday, uh, we are launching it off. Actually, what happens at 1 PM, I think all the spots are filled. We're doing a bunch of just service projects in the community. Uh, these are from the city of Bartlett to us. And then at 4 PM, we're having a huge launch party in our parking lot. Just basically, uh, everybody come. There's, there's going to be a bunch of people from the city and the police department, and we're going to throw a big party to launch the Bartlett Community Care Initiative. So we're going to continually uh, do things to raise funds and awareness so that our police officers and city can be equipped. And they can, they can learn more about that where? VCOB.org. VCOB.org. You find it all right there. With the right Reverend Michael Fueling. Michael, honestly, truthfully, I'm so grateful for your leadership, for your friendship, you. for your wisdom. Love please, you please, please come back. Will do. Anytime. I love you, man. Love you, too. This has been The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, and I do need to add a caveat before we go any further. Brian Fromm is nowhere to be found. If you've seen him, please let us know, because we're very worried. We have no idea. I'm just kidding. He's in California doing a wedding, hanging out with his daughter. Uh, but you can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show or 1160hope.com. But I got to say, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to have a very special guest in the studio, in the flesh. Her name is Marion Alvarado, but you may not know... And she's also my mother-in-law. Mary, welcome <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. That's my pleasure. We just had my mom last week. I now know. I have my mother-in-law. I hope nobody accuses me of nepotism here, just giving <laughs> slots and shows to family members. But uh, the reason that I wanted to bring you in, um, not just because I don't, you know, I just, I just like you, just in right. general. But we do. We have a great you, relationship. You also have a fantastic story, though. And uh, I'm going to tee it out a little bit because uh, you started and run what's called Timothy's Ministry. You can learn more at timothysministry.org. And I'm just going to read quickly the, the headline here. It says, Loving and Helping People Struggling with Homelessness Through the Compassion and Love of Christ Since 2004. Yes. And so some of you are thinking, whoa, how, so who, how do we even get there? And so what I want to do for the next hour is get to know you a little bit and have you share some of your story and some of the miracles along the way that led to the formation of this 
like really brilliant ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, could you just give us a little bit of your, what's some of your background and how, how did you even come to faith in the first place? Cause you, you weren't, were you raised in a, in a Christian home? Is this something that's, that's new or that's something that you kind of developed into adulthood? Like how, what, what is the story there? Yes. Well, I was, uh, Raised in a Catholic home and attended 12 years of Catholic education, great schools and attended church every Sunday. And as I got older and started raising my kids, for some reason, my faith wasn't really there. Mm. And I didn't know anything about a personal relationship with Jesus, Mm. but um, I did believe in God, but wasn't 100% certain that God was real. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's the secret of having the Holy Spirit living in us that I didn't realize I had never really surrendered my life. And so you had like information about God and you could probably, Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. You could like answer well on a quiz, but you didn't, you didn't feel like there was any intimacy there. There was no like relationship. Right. Right. I, I kind of thought that God might be a little bit too busy for me to go to him Mm if he was real and I hoped I always hoped there was a God, but, but yeah, so there I was about 18 years ago and was really unsure. And when a neighbor invited me to a Bible study and Mm. she had invited me several times that year. So I finally, (laughs) I finally said, yes, I, I wasn't sure why women would get together to read the Bible. I, I kind of thought it might be that they didn't have that much to do with their time. It was like, they're just more bored. So let's, yeah, let's hang that's out and read I the thought. Bible. <laughs> yeah. But I finally said yes. And it was kind of like saying yes to a Tupperware party in my mind. I thought if I say yes, <laughs> they'll then stop she'll bothering stop, me. <laughs> stop inviting me. But when I went to the Bible study that evening, um, I first made an excuse to the person leading the Bible study saying that I would probably have to leave after 30 minutes. I lied. I said I had somewhere to go. And you gave yourself 30 minutes. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but in those first 30 minutes, I felt something in that room. Wow. The ladies were talking in such a way as that they really knew God. Like wow. they knew he was real with certainty. They weren't preaching. They were just talking about God. They were sharing some scripture. We were reading Philippians 4 hmm. that evening. And I that's become my favorite verse do not worry about anything, wow. but yeah, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will be yours. And that's what so they were talking about that night. That was the scripture that night. It was a very wow. kind of loose Bible study. And so as the ladies were having their conversations, um, I asked them, I said, you know, I think it's probably really easy for all of you uh, to have peace if you don't have any real problems, mm. but I was already having some struggles uh, with some kids with health challenges and they seemed to nod their head as though, yes, no, it's possible for everyone to have peace. So that really gave me hope. Wow. Maybe there really was a God. Maybe I thought to myself, wouldn't it be awesome if I could know for sure that God was real? Yeah. That's all I thought. So I went back again. You did. Do you, yes. So you didn't bail at 30 minutes? You stayed for the whole I thing? I stayed for the whole thing. <laughs> and I went back again. And somehow God began to just kind of show himself to me. And I was part of praying out loud with some of these ladies. And I felt something. And then six weeks later, 
um, tragedy hit. And mm. um, my son Tim was in the hospital, and I found myself, he had been hit by a car, and I found myself falling on my knees in the lobby of the hospital crying out to God saying, Jesus, I need you to take over my life. I can't do this. That was at the hospital? At the hospital, uh, right in the hallway. Wow. And no one ever told me anything about a salvation prayer. No one told me that this is how you can come to have a personal relationship Mm. with Jesus. But I just naturally called out on the name of Jesus because I had been hearing the name of Jesus over those previous six weeks in prayer. So after praying and while praying, I had this experience where I felt like the ceiling above me literally opened up like I knew God heard me. Wow. And then I said, God, I'm just putting Tim in your arms. And I, you know, was asking God to heal him, obviously. And I just saw God's hand actually in the first couple of minutes. I mean, we had lost our health insurance for Tim and somehow it came through in one minute after I prayed. It was just something that I knew was a miracle. And then every day I would pray and every day Tim was getting better. Hmm. And my faith was growing because I'd pray specifically and always pray in Jesus's name. I had never done that. And And my prayers were being answered, so my faith was growing. And then on the 10th day, uh, Tim passed away suddenly in his sleep. Right. And the lights went out in my life, and I just never thought I could survive. It was the worst possible, most unsurvivable experience. But uh, somehow those same ladies from my Bible study were the ones that came to my house along with family members and friends. But when they came, they prayed with me and I was just, it was like seeing an army come in just to lift us up. And they kept coming over and I continued to go to the Bible study and it was very, very painful um, during that first year, especially. But at the end of that first year, right before the day before Tim's birthday, I found myself, falling on my knees, I hit a wall again, and I Mm. said, help me, Lord, how am I supposed to get up tomorrow morning? And just said right to God, if only I could have just baked him a birthday cake, what I would have given. Wow. Okay, so that is the perfect segue for what we're going to continue to hear about this story, not only what it's like to have to lose a child, which is an unthinkable pain that I Mm -hmm. I don't even have categories for, Mm -hmm. but what God did in through that to bring us to present day, I think is nothing short of miraculous. So we're going to continue to hear that story Mm -hmm. from Marion Alvarado right here on the common good on AM 1160. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the common good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is usually here, but he is out in California. You can find us though on Facebook at the common good radio show or 1160hope.com. I'm thrilled, though, to have in the studio for an entire hour, both my friend, but also my mother-in-law, Marion Alvarado. And uh, if you're just joining us, she's been telling us just the unbelievable story of not only her faith journey, uh, but also losing her son tragically. And then, and you've talked about this even with me, you know, off air, just about 
you said the lights went out in the last segment yes. and that experience of feeling like I don't even want to leave my house. I don't want to get out of bed. No. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that and then, and then yeah. bring us back to the year anniversary of his passing? Like what yeah. was it? What's it like? Just be when, uh, yeah. So when Tim died, it was as though, um, fear filled my body. I can't mm. explain it other than, um, I didn't think I could hang on to reality even. I wow. thought in the next second, I wouldn't be me. I, I wouldn't be here. I thought wow. I was going to die. It's, it's, uh, it's the unimaginable. And I knew uh, I had some friends and a cousin who lost a son, you know, in previous years. And I thought I could imagine, but I, I couldn't have come close hmm. to the pain uh, that just just swept over my body. And then as a mom to three other children, right. I wanted to protect them and spare them. And I remember my youngest son, Brian, was 10 years old. And the first words out of my mouth were, we can't tell Brian, we can't tell Brian. And so I, I could keep this to mm. myself to protect him, and I couldn't. Mm. And it, it was just... It was so painful because not only had I lost my firstborn child, but I couldn't protect my other kids right. from the devastation that I knew they would experience. Yeah. So, it, but God had drawn me to know him just weeks before when I was invited to that first Bible study. I know he went before me. Hmm. I know it's not a coincidence. I had never thought of going to a Bible study before. And I, to, for God to have really shown himself to me so that I ended up surrendering my life to Jesus right before Tim died. And that is when I know the I know now the Holy Spirit then indwells us because then we really know God is with us. So so I would find myself at 2 o'clock in the morning so often waking up and I couldn't breathe, literally couldn't breathe, gasping, like I'd wake up and I would think I'm coming out of a nightmare, mm. but I was really awake and it was real. Mm. And so I would go to the living room and open up a Bible and I'd never opened a Bible before six weeks earlier before Tim died. So I didn't know the old Testament from the new Testament. I didn't know anything. All I knew is that when I opened it and read something, I would be able to breathe and I would, and it was as though God would speak to me exactly in what I was going through wherever I opened it. So I actually went to those ladies in my Bible study and I asked them, is there something supernatural about this book? Because (laughs) when I read it, when I just read a few words, I feel this peace come over me in the midst of uh, the pain that I was experiencing. And they said, yeah, it says in second Timothy 316 that all scripture is God breathed. I said, I knew it. Hmm. I knew it because I could just really feel the presence of God. So yeah, throughout that year, it was, I couldn't even drive for three months. I would get to the Bible study, but it was really hard. I couldn't get into, I I couldn't go grocery shopping. That took me months. I tried to remember going into the jewel 
to shop maybe a couple months after Tim died. And I literally found myself running out the door. I was having panic attacks because uh, it was like a, a reality that I could no longer buy food for Tim. It was too, it was too much. I'd Mm. run into people. I'd see it in their faces, the horror that they knew Tim died. And when I'd run into people, it would just replay in my mind. But, but somehow that Bible study was the one place that I would go every Thursday morning. And after a year of walking through this, like I said, it was like I hit a wall. I knew the next day would be Tim's birthday, and I was mm-hmm. in my kitchen. I dropped to my knees, and I just cried and cried out to God and just said the words, Help me, Lord. How am I supposed to get up tomorrow morning? If only I could have just had the simple joy of baking Tim a birthday cake, what I would have given for that. That's how I talked to God. Right. With that, this thought just comes through my mind. Maybe if I bake a cake for a homeless shelter, because Tim reached out to the homeless. Mm -hmm. And Tim, three months before he died, just randomly brought a homeless man home that was sitting in the living room. Mm. And he told me, he's cool, Mom. His name is Jedediah. I yelled at him and said, get him out of here. What are you doing? Of course, I didn't have that personal relationship with Jesus right. at that time. Right. And I thought that was poor judgment. Mm. But because that happened, this thought came to my mind, bake for a homeless shelter. So I called someone and said, if I can find a homeless shelter that will accept a, a cake, would you drive it down? And the friend said, yeah. So one call down to one random homeless shelter in Chicago I'd never called a homeless shelter before. I'd never visited the homeless. I never cared, had any heart for the homeless, Mm. but I just called there and I asked the person answering the phone, would you accept a cake? I told him the story and he said, baked goods would be a godsend. We're desperate here and no one ever calls us. How did you even get our number? And I said, oh my goodness, what do you need? And he said, oh, we need clothing and toiletries. We're a men's shelter. Everybody always reaches out to women and children, so nobody calls us. So when he told me that, I emailed the ladies in my Bible study, the group of women that God brought into my life just six weeks before Tim died. I knew their hearts. I knew how Hmm. they had brought our family food. And it just so happened, coincidentally, no coincidence, but the next (laughs) day on Tim's birthday was the Bible study on a Thursday. Wow. So the next day when I arrived at the Bible study, there were piles and piles of clothing and toiletries. And by now, of course, now I'm going to be driving down instead of a friend driving down because of this thing that the manager said that they're desperate. Right. So a lady helped me load up my van and she offered to go with me. So that was nice. So we're driving down to Chicago with my van filled and I am silently talking to God, saying, God, wow, this is a miracle. I mean, Mm. I didn't think I could get out of bed. I didn't want to live. And here I am with my van filled. Right. And so we arrived down to the homeless shelter, and I'm thinking we're just going to drop off and drive away. But instead, God had something else happen. All these people started coming out of the homeless shelter, and I heard their voices saying, God bless you, thank you. (laughs) And I turned around, and I saw their faces, and the thought in my mind was, you're the homeless? 
And I felt this love come over me, and I'm not making this up. I never had that experience before for people I didn't even know. Mm. But that caused me to want to go in and visit. So I went in and visited, and we stayed for a couple of hours. Mm. And after I came home, I wrote an email to the ladies in my Bible study. That was December 2002, and I said, I think I'm going back again in two weeks. And little did you know the impact that that one visit would have now more than a decade later. And I know that you all 16 years, 16 years later, and I'm sure you all cannot wait to hear how this story develops. I cannot wait for you to hear the way that God works through you, Marion and the people that you encounter. That's what's coming up next on the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is in California. We don't know why, but that's where he is. And uh, you can find us on 1160hope.com or on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. Uh, but for the last 25 minutes or so, uh, we've been hearing from Marion Alvarado, who is uh, not only just an incredible person, but also my mother-in-law. And uh, if you're just joining us, here's the story. She uh, had grown up knowing about God, but not really having any kind of relationship with God. If I remember correctly, you even dabbled in some other world religions for a while, and then I did. I, I when I was getting my master's degree right before Tim passed away, um, I started going down the road of Eastern philosophy. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And so you had you were really searching, right? I even right? visited the Theosophical Society and was reading. You did? I didn't books. know that. Yeah, no kidding. I did okay. my thesis on finding joy in Eastern. Philosophy, uh huh. So there, so there clearly was this like search in you. You're like, I got, I want to find some purpose there was or meaning. A search, and I wished and hoped there that I could, that it would be possible to know for sure there is a God, but I didn't know how you could know for sure. Right. I didn't know that part of it of surrendering your life and that the Holy Spirit will indwell in you. No one told me that. So, so for you to to be on this search and to be kind of really trying on a number of different theological jackets, like does this fit? Is this right? And uh, these women invited you to a Bible study that you admitted you had made up a, a plan to get out of it in thirty minutes so that you yeah. didn't have to stick around, so that maybe they would stop inviting you and and had this encounter right that led to you not only exactly. staying all night but you came back and you right. kind of that's where you sort of like really began to meet God and God's people. Absolutely. And, and I, it wasn't the late, you know, I, I wouldn't give credit to any one person for that. It's mm. when two or more gather in my name, God says there am I with them. Right. And so I felt something in that room. Right. And again, those ladies were talking as though they knew God. Right. Right. And which which so had to have been so refreshing because you're like, that's it what I'm looking gave for. Me hope because mm. life is so hard when you're doing it on your own. That's right. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be awesome to be able to actually access God instead right. of going on the internet and searching for the right doctor and yes, right. You know, what to do. Yeah. Well then, and, and so there's no way that you could have known this, but just weeks after this six encounter weeks. with this Bible, six weeks, I, yes. I always forget that it's that short. Six yes. weeks after this invitation, you accept this invitation your eldest son passes, which again is a pain that I, I can't even fathom. And I do really appreciate your level of vulnerability and just sort of taking us there a little bit because I can, mm-hmm. I can sense even in your voice, it's painful to this day to revisit yeah. what that year was like of not wanting to leave the house, not being able to get groceries. And mm-hmm. I, and I will say this too. You talked about wanting to protect your kids. I can say this with confidence. You did a fantastic job with your kids Aww. to the point where I married one of them. Yes, but but I, I, I really, really love 
our family together. And yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful that I get to be a part of this story in any small way, shape or form. So you, it was a year then it was, you were coming up on Tim's birthday and again, crying out to God, which seems just to be a theme, out, right? Yeah, just crying out to him, asking him to help me to get up the next morning. I mm. literally thought, I can't get out of bed tomorrow. I really right. didn't want to get out of bed right, or to live. face the day at yeah. all, right. How, do, how does a mom continue this journey? Now I'm facing the day I gave birth. Ugh, I can't even imagine. To, my, the, to the boy who made me a mom, Ugh. and he wasn't here. Yeah. And so I just asked God to help me. And this thought that came to my mind out of the blue, maybe if I bake a cake for a homeless shelter that will get me out of bed, Mm. it was like, oh, okay, you know, that'll give me something to do. I'll bake the cake. I'll send it down with somebody if I find a homeless shelter. But then, as I said, calling the homeless shelter and them randomly saying, we're desperate here. We love baked goods, but we need toiletries and clothing. And then I emailed the ladies in my Bible study. And the next day when I arrived at Bible study, they had piles and piles of clothing and <laughs> toiletries. It is amazing. And you right. actually went down yourself then. So I was going down. So I the plan originally was I was going to have somebody else. I'll bake the cake, probably go back to bed. <laughs> and then, because that's what I did. Yeah. I would put my youngest son uh, on the school bus. Mm. And then I would go to bed uh, many days. And then I set the alarm for a half hour before, I don't know that I've ever shared this with anybody, but half hour before the bus came, put cold water on my face. Wow. And then my son Brian would come in from school and he was so concerned about me and always asking, Mm. did you have a nice day today, mom? And I'd say, oh yeah, I met some friends, Brian, you know, and I would pretend Mm. because I wanted him to know I was okay, but I was not okay. It was the pain beyond pain, but... But uh, yes, so it was definitely God just like stepping me forward. So when I got down to the homeless shelter, again, my plan was to drop off the stuff, go home. And wow, this was an amazing miracle that God answered my prayers. But instead, this feeling of love came over me Mm. when I looked at these people as they came out of the shelter and asked them their names. And I said, hi, I'm Marion. And I knew what it was to be at the bottom of a hole. Mm. That's all I can say. I knew, I never knew that feeling before. And I, although I had never been homeless, I felt like I connected somehow that I was in a place where I never planned to be, Mm. where I thought there's, it feels like there's no hope. How am I going to survive? And I looked at their faces and saw the same thing and felt this love. So when I went inside, we shared our stories And at the end, as I was leaving the homeless shelter, I asked them, would you like to pray? Because I had found in the last previous year that praying out loud, I would feel this lift from my pain and I wanted them to experience that. So we held Mm. hands, we had a circle and one young guy, about 23 years old, prayed. He said, thank you for sending Marion here to us today. And although you took her son, he reached out his arm and he said, Look at all the sons you've given her today. Oh, my word. So I just wept. And I felt this just really deep love for all of them. And I said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So I went home. I sent out an email uh, to the ladies in my Bible study. I said, I think I'm going back in two more weeks. Hmm. So every other Thursday after the Bible study, I would go back to the homeless shelter. And it was a rotating group of people. Some of the people that were there were were gone and others were still there. And my 
as I'd send out an email, every single time I would visit, people would start passing around my emails. Hmm. They were passing around to friends, family, whatever. So my email list started growing. Hmm. So before I knew it, I mean, people were not only bringing clothes and toiletries and food to the Bible study on the day I was going down to the homeless shelter, but I'd come home from shopping or whatever to my house and I'd see three or four hefty bags. No kidding. Yeah. On my front door. Just and unsolicited? People yes, were just bringing because it by? People, people read my emails and they knew I was wow. going down this homeless shelter. So I remember saying, you know, to my family at that time, I was like, uh, almost joking, like, oh, this is a job I can't quit. Like, I, I never <laughs> thought that clothes would come to the house. What do I do? And that's when, you know, my family said, we can keep them in Tim's room. Oh, wow. And I couldn't even step into Tim's room. I, I right. kept that door closed. And it was like we started storing the clothes in Tim's room. So every time I looked into that room, I saw evidence of God. And it was just amazing. And then a year after visiting the homeless shelter, that's when two people randomly, as I was leaving, asked me if they could visit my church. And I didn't really have a particular church I was going to yet. Mm. But that same day, uh, a nearby church, a pastor happened to send me an email, same day as two people asked to visit my church from the homeless shelter. And he said, we're praying for you. We heard about your story. Mm. And I wrote him back. I said, what should I say two people asked to visit my church? I thought he'd give me a referral in the city. Right. And instead he said, what a blessing. If they want to come, that's what we're here for. And you can have a potluck lunch in our fellowship hall. And you can invite all your volunteers who are on your email list because he had heard that I had a growing email list. No kidding. Yeah. So three days later I was on a bus going down to Chicago with a church bus. And I sent out an email to all the people on my email list. There were about 80 people that showed up that first day. And now a decade and a half later, that has grown into a phenomenal. That was February 2004. Wow. And I thought that was a one-time thing. Yeah. Little, little did you know. Every other Sunday since February 2004. And then we opened a place called Tim's House in Chicago eight years ago, Okay, where so we meet during the week. That's what I want to ask you about coming up next. And I know that we won't have enough time to get into all of it, but not only did, did God plant this ministry seed, but has now grown it into this incredible ministry. And you have miracle stories coming out of your years. I feel like every time we gather together for family dinner, you're like, oh, can I tell you about the five miracles from this week? So <laughs> I wanna, I'd love to know a little bit about the ministry as it's grown over the last 15, 16 years, and then maybe just a story or two of how you've seen God at work. And that's what's coming up next here on The Common Good with Mary Alvarado on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is in California, but we have in the studio a very special guest, Marion Alvarado, the founder of Timothy's Ministry. You can learn more at timothysministry.org. That's timothysministry.org. There is no apostrophe. I don't think that's how websites work anyway, so don't even try, but timothysministry.org. And uh, there's all sorts of videos and stories. You can sign up for her mailing list, which I can't encourage you enough to do. But I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves because you had mentioned having this experience, this life-giving, life-altering experience at this shelter in the city. And then you encounter this pastor. And it was sort of the beginning stages of what would become Timothy's ministry. But right. just I'm, I'm curious if you could just tell us a little bit about what that first luncheon was like and how it grew to be what it is today. Yeah, so... It began on that Thursday when two people from a homeless shelter asked 
told me they'd like to visit my church. I'm thinking, of course, that's not possible. I nodded my head like saying, oh, that's nice of you. But I knew because they didn't have any transportation and I lived in the suburbs. And so when that pastor randomly, that same day, same day, I get this email from a pastor saying, oh, we heard about your story. We're praying for you in your ministry, which I thought was an odd word, too. It's like, why is he calling it a ministry? Because <laughs> for you, it was just hanging out. He was just Yeah, it was just some. Yeah, it was amazing. I loved I loved being there. Right. And so, um, yeah, so he said, yeah, if they would like to come to church, that's what we're here for. We can send a bus. Wow. And you can have a potluck lunch in our fellowship hall, which I'd never been to their fellowship hall. Mm. So I, it was a Thursday. I'm, I shot out a big email to all the people that had grown on my email list, which I never asked anybody to be on my email list. They were just <laughs> asking me. I love that. And then uh, I called down to the shelter and they said, yeah, you can't bring a church bus in here because of separation of church and state. Oh, so the manager said, how about, you know, meet the people at a McDonald's two blocks away? I said, great. Okay. So I went on a bus on that Sunday, three days later, I'm thinking to myself, I cannot believe I'm on a bus (laughs) with someone I don't even know. And then I'm about to have all these people come on the bus when we get to Chicago that, you know, I just really don't know everyone. So I just prayed all the way down. And then when we pulled the bus up, all these people were just so happy uh, to be coming out to the church. And we hugged and walked into Fellowship Hall after the church service. And all these volunteers came and they had been reading the stories of the shoes that George needed. And mm. one lady is like, I sent a size 13 shoe and George didn't, you know, had these shoes with holes in them. And I was able to introduce people to say, Hey Mary, this is George, you know, and people are just naturally hugging. Right. And it was just like this family reunion feel, wow. lots of joy People, I didn't organize food. I just said, bring a dish. (laughs) And there was this overflowing buffet that happened that day. And just as we had been doing in the homeless shelter, I said, how about if we have a circle of prayer? There were probably about 80 people that showed up. And we all held hands. I remember one guy uh, that was homeless said, God, I know this is you. I know this is you. So then we ate, but because we did not have time to mess things up, as I know people can mess up God's plan, it was a total God plan. If we had had meetings ahead of time, maybe we would have (laughs) thought, okay, all the volunteers stand over there, serve the people, let them all eat, give, you know, don't eat anything. But instead, it was a family party. Hmm. We didn't have people just because they didn't have a home get in line first or anything right. like that. It just was very naturally flowing. So as a result, and people sat together and ate together naturally. That. That's awesome. So at the end of the day, I heard from several people who were homeless saying, this is the first time I actually didn't feel homeless. And feeling wow. homeless, as many people have told me, but the guy said it that day, makes you feel lower than humanity. So Uh even eating together, even not being the only ones eating was a gift of dignity. And so, so I went home and a couple people had said, I wish you'd do this again. And I thought, well, yeah, but these are all the people on my email list. Who would I get? 
to come and volunteer again. So I went right. home and I prayed and I said, God, if you want this to happen, you're going to have to make it happen because I don't, you know, I, I don't have the time to organize a big luncheon like this. <laughs> and an hour later, my phone rang and it was somebody that was at the luncheon that was on my email list. I didn't even know her. And she said, Marion, I was at this luncheon today. And is there any way that my uh, friends and neighbors could host a luncheon like no that? And kidding. I was like, brilliant God host. That means I don't have to do it. So I said, yes. So I put her down for the, on the calendar for two weeks later, mm-hmm. since I had been visiting the homeless shelter every other Sunday, that seemed to work. And my phone rang again about 30 minutes later. If somebody else, somebody with a Bible study, she no was kidding. there that day. Can my Bible study, you know, organize a luncheon like that? I said, yeah, okay, I'll put you down four weeks. So, <laughs> so before the afternoon was over, we were booked out for four weeks. No kidding. And Every other Sunday since February 2004, we have had a potluck lunch and we've had thousands of people, thousands come through. Unbelievable. Somebody sent me a check within, uh, from one of my emails without me asking for money, a very large check. It was actually a childhood friend of mine. He said, I see what you're doing and I just, you know, want to help. So I took it to the church and they said, no, we can't hold that money. And they uh, got someone to turn it into a 501c3. And up until that point, since I had been visiting the homeless shelter like 14 months before, I had been referring to this as the shelter luncheon ministry. Hmm. But the guy um, on the phone from the bank said, all you need now is a name. So I asked everybody, would it be okay if we call it Timothy's ministry? Because... My son, Tim, had passed away, and that's the story of how God brought so much good. And even though people in that Bible study early on would say to me, you know, God brings good from all things, I would say, I will never call anything good that comes from my son's death. But I didn't fully understand it then, Mm. that this is how God does that. He's brought good over and over and over. And we have a huge clothing room at each of our luncheons. The clothes come in every single Sunday. They just come in. We don't do a clothing drive. We're not connected to a church. We're in Arlington Heights. We rent space. We're renting space pretty soon from New Hope Church um, in Palatine. But um, that's another story. But we opened up a place called Tim's House in Chicago eight years ago where people gather breakfast, lunch, dinner. We help people with housing. And we just see God and lots of miracles, but I don't think there's time to tell you miracles. Well, stories. I guess we'll have to have you back on yeah. to tell some of these miracle stories then. And Marion, I don't, I don't think I say it enough, but uh, you are an inspiration and I'm, I'm really grateful for the ways that God not only has moved, but continues to move in and through you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we can call each other family. Oh, I am grateful that you're my son-in-law because I prayed for you to come into Katie's life (laughs) before I knew you. (laughs) Well, I hope that you're encouraged. And uh, if if anyone's listening and wants more information, I can't encourage you enough to head to timothysministry.org and there's stories and videos and ways to get involved. And I've been there in person and I guarantee you uh, show up once and your life will be changed. You will see God at work in really, really tangible ways. Marion, Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. (laughs) This has been The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.